Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, the last time we were together, I said we would explore this idea of the garden in John's gospel passion narrative. Um, there are three mentions of a garden that I want to highlight. Uh, one of them is in chapter 18, verse 1, as Jesus goes out to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is there in the garden praying uh, the night before his crucifixion, so right before he's arrested. And then uh, it's mentioned again just after Jesus has died as Joseph of Arimathea comes to claim the body and give it a proper burial, uh, providing Jesus with respect. We're told that near the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden and uh, looking to bury him before uh, the sun went down uh, and Sabbath began, they, they placed him in Joseph's tomb in the garden. And then in 20 verse 15, uh, Mary is, is, one, she's in the garden, which uh, she's come to visit the tomb. We're not necessarily told, uh, we're, not, we're not told that she's in the garden, like word for word that way, but we know that's where she is because we know that's where Jesus has been buried. And so in the garden, she mistakes Jesus uh, in his resurrection at, as the gardener in chapter 20, verse 15. So we have these places and these mentions of the garden or the gardener or uh, things like that uh, in the burial and uh, passion narratives. What I would like to highlight for us is that it's not um, it's not by accident that we are in and around the garden. Um, so the the most obvious link up for this is going to be the garden in Eden. Uh, in Genesis 2, uh, where God has planted a garden and he's placed Adam and Eve in it. Um, So we have have this imagery running now of of the garden. The the interesting piece is, is that both gardens, Eden and the garden of Jesus... Uh, in his suffering the night before his crucifixion and uh, in his burial after his crucifixion all have this sort of association now with with death or with suffering with um, sin and and things like that so um, Genesis 2 gives us the arrival of the garden in Eden Genesis 3 introduces us to uh, sort of the the human failure in the garden. And it's interesting because death comes into the world uh, through Adam and Eve's disobedience, rebellion, sin uh, in Genesis 3. But now in John's narrative in the gospel and in the other gospels that mention it, uh, I'm just using John because it's my favorite of the gospels and John highlights it three really distinct times. But I'm pretty sure the other gospel writers also mention that Jesus is buried in a garden space. Um, anyway, so 
What John's doing, or seems to be doing, is playing on this idea that death has come into the world through the activity of a couple of individuals in a garden. And that then humanity has been expelled, exiled, if you will, from that garden where heaven and earth meet in Eden and where God comes to walk with them in the cool of the day. So, in Jesus' burial, we, we have um, that sort of... We're always looking for a return to the garden in the First Testament texts. Um, pieces of the temple depictions and the Holy of Holies, um, pieces of uh, Solomon's palace and things like that all have shades in them of sort of Eden imagery, vines and grapes and fruit and uh, the, the rich abundance that was present in Eden, uh, things like that. So in Jesus' burial, returning to the garden with, with um, the death imagery and the corruption imagery that's present from things like Genesis 3, we're, we're back in a space now where Jesus is doing something to deal with what transpired in the events of Genesis 3 and the failure of humanity in Genesis 3, the introduction of sin and death into the world. So, uh, Jesus is crucified in a place nearby a garden. So he atones for human sin outside of that garden. But as the innocent sacrifice that deals with sin, he makes his way now from outside that garden into the garden in dealing with sin and now he's going to deal with death, which was introduced to the world in a garden. And in his resurrection, will have dealt with death and provided new life in a garden where that first um, death and our original life was corrupted. So Adam and Eve mess it all up in a garden and death comes into the world. Jesus atones for a sin that brought death into the world and messed up our relationship with God on the cross nearby a garden after being arrested in a garden while he, and we know this from the synoptics in the Garden of Gethsemane, suffered and was under great distress. And then he's buried in a tomb in his death in a garden and is raised going through death and out the other side, right? Because he's not going to die again. His body is now fit for eternity. He's raised to new life in that garden and now provides that new life to all who believe in him. And so he has dealt with 
sin in the cross, sin that drove Adam and Eve outside the garden. Jesus deals with on the cross outside the garden. Death, which came into the world in the garden in Adam and Eve's disobedience and rebellion. Jesus deals with and provides us new life by being raised from death in a garden. And so the, the garden image of life and death and everything that goes with it is sort of, be, I think, intentionally being played on as our, our gospel writers provide us with the, the details of this narrative. I don't think they're fabricating these details by any stretch of the imagination. I think the story that they're telling us is completely accurate, historically viable and all of that. But I, I think they're intentional about mentioning that it happens in a garden and that Jesus is raised to new life in a garden um, be, because of this life-death uh, imagery that's associated with the garden. The, I, there's another piece to this, and it's the 2015 reference. As Mary mistakes Jesus for the gardener. Uh, and here, I think the... The analogy shifts gears a little bit from location and dealing with sin and death by, by location to, uh, to the person of Jesus Christ. Um, Paul makes a big deal of this in Romans 5 as he talks about um, the first Adam who brought sin and death into the world through his transgression and then the second or the new Adam who has brought life and forgiveness and God's grace into the world through his obedience and sacrifice. I think now um, John has, the, the gospel of John has kind of played into that image a little bit where um, we now have uh, Jesus being mistaken in a garden uh, as a gardener which was Adam's profession in the Garden of Eden. Adam was given charge to take care of the Garden of Eden. That's a gardener. And so Adam the gardener, who fails and brings sin and death into the world, contrasted with Jesus, who, although does not deserve death, provides an atoning death for everyone who believes in him and new life in Christ through his resurrection in a garden Jesus is, is now that sort of new Adam that brings life but it's all told to us in the terms in the images of this garden uh, I don't think that's an accident okay now, I will say this. I, th I think a lot of these themes we can get to without needing a deep dive on the garden imagery. However, our gospel writers, looking at the material that they had in the First Testament texts, and considering the significance of not only just the details of Jesus' story in the Passion narrative, but considering the significance of what, what went down, what happened, and what was intended, in the Garden of Eden, choose to craft and tell us the story with these allusions back to Eden. 
as we see Jesus take up this sort of new Adam space. And so there was a way to be human in Adam and Eve, to be the image and likeness of our creator. And in the garden, Adam and Eve failed and took that image and plunged it into sin and death. And, and it's not good by any stretch of the imagination. On the other hand, there is now a new garden that supplies new life through Christ Jesus. And Jesus Christ is that new gardener, that new Adam. And in the incarnation, crucifixion, and resurrection, this is why the resurrection and the incarnation are so important. Because in being human, Jesus hasn't only provided a means to our atonement. Jesus has provided the perfect sort of human partner. Now, it's, it's true. God has to do that for himself because humanity is a mess and a disaster. But God has provided a human partner who now is the way that we are to be human and in giving us new life in the garden provides us a way to participate in this new way to be human and this is what Paul picks up in Romans chapter 8 as he talks about being conformed to the image of the son and so what's really cool about all of this garden and gardener and uh, connected garden imagery is that we land in a place where as, as we consider the significance of the garden and the role of Adam and Eve, we're led into a space that talks about Jesus that leads us to a place where we can say Jesus is the way to be truly and authentically human to be the image and likeness of our Creator, the way God intended it to be. And through participation, faith, we are being remade into the image and likeness of the Son. Which means, not only should we live and look and be more and more like Jesus on a regular basis, but that Jesus has made a way for us to be more and more genuinely, fully, and authentically human in the way God intended it in Genesis 1 and 2. I hope this is a, sort of a fresh look at something I think we all got a lot of uh, time uh, invested in as we look at the scripture. Have a happy Monday. And we'll see you next time on the podcast.